Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. When you want to have fun and have scratchers to scratch, there's a playful way you can do just that. Scratch with the key or acrylic nail. Scratch with the quill from a porcupine tail. Use a belt buckle from your friend Lamar. Or scratch with your pick while you play guitar. You can scratch in a bunch of different playful ways. Scratchers from the California lottery. A little play can make your day. Please play responsibly. Must be 18 years or older to purchase player claim. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. How to get 30, 30, to get 30, bet you get 20, 20, 20, bet you get 20, 20, to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month. So give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. New activation and upfront payment for three-month plan required. Taxes and fees extra. Additional restrictions apply. See mintmobile.com for full terms. ACAST powers the world's best podcasts. Here's a show that we recommend. What is The Briefing Room? It's a behind-the-scenes look at how the criminal justice system works and the lives of the people within that system. If you love true crime, well, these are the real people who do the job every day of making sure justice is served. Hi, I'm Detective Dave. I'm Detective Dan. Together, we have decades of experience in local law enforcement, a profession that we think is often misunderstood. So we're going to explore how to do it right, and we won't shy away from when it's done wrong. These are stories you'll hear nowhere else. Unique, frank, and unvarnished. From the team that brought you Small Town Dicks, this is The Briefing Room. Episode 1 drops on August 30th. We'll meet you in The Briefing Room. ACAST helps creators launch, grow, and monetize their podcasts everywhere. ACAST.com And welcome back to Scarred for Life, the podcast where we open up old wounds by looking back at the films that scared us as kids. I'm Terry. And I'm Mary Beth. And each episode, our special guest brings with them a movie that traumatized them as a child. This week, our guest is Steve Goldberg, basketball fan and co-host of the Mostly Horror podcast. And joining him is his co-host, Sean Parker. We're doing things a little bit differently. We're talking to both of them. Um about both of their favorite movies in two different episodes, but you're getting two interviews. I don't know how to explain this properly. Steve <laughs> and Sean will be on each of each other's respective episodes, so we're splitting up their interviews a little yes. bit. Sorry. Did not know how to explain things all of a sudden. That made um, complete sense. 
Yeah. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you so much. Um, but we'll be starting uh, the two-part interview talking about the podcast and all that good stuff. So welcome to the show, Sean and Steve. Thanks for having Stoked us. to be here. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Thank you so much for inviting us. We're really Yay. excited to chat with you, especially both of your two picks, because um, I have a lot of thoughts about those. But before we do get <laughs> into any of oh. that... Um, Let's nervous. let's start with 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 the now. <laughs> Don't be nervous. <laughs> let's start with with the now. What um? Can you tell our listeners a little bit about your podcast and how it came to be? Yeah, Steve. do you want me to start, Sean? All yeah, right. Steve, you go. So, uh, Sean and I are both from Michigan. Um, we moved. Do we live in New York City currently? We moved here um a couple years ago, and while we were in Michigan, uh, during quarantine, funny funny enough, not to bury the lead, but we. We're like a lot of people trying to figure out what we wanted to do. And we're like, let's start a podcast. Sean and I are both horror fans and we have different perspectives looking at the genre. And so we we started recording something that essentially looked like my favorite murder where we would like talk about movies and um, both bring a film that we wanted to talk about and then rate them and pick one or I don't know. It was, it was a weird concept. We recorded like yeah. three of them and then kind of scrapped it. It wasn't what we wanted. And then... Um, I think we paused a little bit, and I, I've i always been a big fan of Hot Ones and kind of just interview format in general, um, as well as this other, I'm, I'm a, like you said, basketball fan. I work for a basketball team. Um, I'm a fan of this basketball podcast that's called The Old Man of the Three. It's basically a retired basketball player interviewing um, sports yeah. people, and, and it's just, I, I love the format and, and what you can bring out of the guest. And so uh, we decided that we wanted to start a interview-based horror podcast, um, the the kind of twist to this, um, you know, Sean and I are both very aware that we're two cis straight white dudes. And realistically, there's so many podcasts where just two cis straight white dudes talk about horror <laughs> films for, you know, an hour plus and no one wants to hear that shit. And I kind of agree. Um, and so, I mean, you know, the podcast is very much not about us. Like we want to a bring people in and let them know that horror is more than just kind of like a conversation we were having off the air so to speak but horror is more than just you know spooky films um like uh, the exorcist or the ring or whatever um and so that's why we put the mostly in front of it we think a lot of things can be horror and as long as someone has that justification um or that reason why they think it's a horror film we, we agree um and then the other aspect is we want to bring people in whether it's um filmmakers or writers or actors um, or even people that are in other professions that are fans of the genre, we want to bring them in and talk to them about um, their intros to the genre and what they love about the genre and also their careers as a whole. Um, we've had people from Lemony Snicket to the creator of, you know, The Grim Adventures of Billy and Mandy to Radio Silence to, you know, like all, all over the spectrum. Um, we just love having those conversations. So. That was pretty long-winded, Sean. I don't know if it's, this well, it, was, it was a very elegant way of saying what, what I think in a more simple whatever that we did was we were like, we like a lot of spooky stuff and we like a lot of cool things. We just want an excuse to meet you know, some of these creatives that we really admire, make some friends, and talk about the genre. Yeah. Um, and really kind of figure out where those lines are. I've I've had so many conversations where people are like, but is it really a horror movie? And most of the time I say, yes, we claim it. So <laughs> yeah, it's mostly. Yeah. Yep. Mostly it's always funny because with our, with our podcast, it's, you know, what movie scared you? And so most of them 
or scarred you as a kid, most of them are horror. But then we have people come in, they're like, I'm sorry, this isn't horror. And they're like, it doesn't matter. Like, we're talking about a moment that terrified you, whether it was in uh, an abortion document, like series, yeah. or whether it was in like, what depends on whatever it is, what is it that, that gets you? And so I always, whatever people come on and they're like, uh, I don't know if you guys consider predator horror. I'm like, it's horror, whatever. Oh, yeah. It doesn't really yeah. matter. So I, I, I get that 100%. Yeah. Yeah. We, we've I was had listening. a defense for like say, a, go ahead Sean, well, sorry. i was just gonna say we've had defense <laughs> for like ne- never-ending story being being horror if oh. you want to yeah you know what i mean like oh, those a hundred percent those those things that really freaked you out especially when you were little um that's something we explore a bit on our show not to the extent that you guys are but uh but yeah sorry yeah. steve i was just gonna say i was listening to your guys episode with um noah sagan is that his name uh, who did oh, yeah. Blood Relatives, and he brought Stand by mm-hmm. Me, and I was like, our 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 films are not going to be nearly as eloquent and like as uh, you know he's pulling all these like thematic things from. It was like, fuck, do I talk about a, a literally a movie that scared me? So, um, but no, I mean, I I love that, right? Like, it's so uh, the 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 ethos of of your guys' show and what you're allowing people to bring on is is very similar to ours and kind of our our viewpoint as well. Um, so I think we all agree on on that which is great i think all all horror fans should really be open to like if you say it's horror i agree with you yeah <laughs> i agree has there has there like been any movies that people have brought onto the podcast that have like broadened your view of horror or have kind of like opened your eyes do you have any examples of that at all that's a good question hmm. yeah i feel like i feel like absolutely yes but in this moment i'm not i'm not thinking of any usually because i'm just excited that they brought something you know, different to the table where I'm yeah. like, yes, absolutely. It's, it's usually me agreeing. Uh, specifically, yeah. uh, I, I remember when we had Gory Corey on, that was an episode where we talked a lot about like kids movies that uh, mm-hmm. that oh, should be considered horror. So like yeah. there's this weird movie from the 90s called Pet Shop that we talked about and never ending story, stuff like that. Yeah. Um, but I can't. Yeah. I'll also say like we we also find ourselves reaffirming it a lot. We'll have so at the end of our episodes we ask our guests for what we call mostly horror recs. So basically they say a, a horror film and then a non-horror film that they want to recommend to listeners. And a lot of people for their mostly quote unquote or non-horror film um, we've had a lot of annihilations and they're like, well, I feel like this uh, is probably kind of horror. And Sean and, about, Sean and I are both like, yes, it's fucking horror. Like, yes. it's horror. <laughs> just like reaffirm that for you. Like, yes. Another, yeah. So we, we find ourselves doing that a lot where we're like, you know, don't uh, don't like tiptoe around it. Like if you think something's horror, like we will be behind you saying that it is yes so yeah yeah i I think that's like the biggest contention point in when we talk about horror because horror is such a an expressive genre you can attach it to anything and make it something else but that does not necessarily mean that it loses its horror flair and so i think when people talk about annihilation or predator or i'm trying to think of some of the other movies that came on it's like well it's not really horror jaws happens to a lot where it's like not really horror yeah it's because you're taking Jurassic Park. Yeah. yeah, that movie in particular. We had a discussion about that because I'm like, listen, it doesn't matter if this is this and this, if it's combined sci-fi and horror, adventure and horror, or whatever the case may be, horror can encompass all of that. And that's what I love about the genre so much. Yeah. Absolutely. It's horror is like a, a mood. It's it's a genre, but it's it's a mood, it's an aesthetic, it's a direction, in my opinion, you know, like it can be so many different things. And uh I think some of the best horror moments are in movies that even I would not like I wouldn't say that Temple of Doom in its entirety is a, a horror movie, but the Kali Ma scene is 100% oh, a horror scene. Plenty of, yeah. absolutely. you know, I, yeah. I wouldn't c- consider Harry Potter a horror franchise, but there are absolutely plenty of horror elements littered throughout oh, it. Oh, absolutely. You 
Yeah, so. and J.K. Rowling is you know essentially a horror villain. So um, yeah. I think the other <laughs> yes. the other thing is, yeah. <laughs> I wish you had yes. a visual podcast because that was a great reaction. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, but yeah, I mean, a great another example of that, like one of my favorite films is um, Yorgos Lanthimos's The Killing of a Sacred Deer. Very much like mm. really not a horror film, but like I would call it a horror film. It makes me feel like garbage and like it deeply <laughs> makes me deeply uncomfortable. And like that's what I want from every horror film. So like. Yeah, yeah, it's. Uh, it, I feel like all of our all of our favorite films are like littered with horror aspects, yes. and that's why the mostly horror. Just like we we said that, and we were like, "That's that's fucking it. That's the name. It feels so good." Yeah. And like we'll never vary from that. Yep. Yeah. Awesome. Well, okay. Before I know, we're going to talk more about like childhood stuff next time. But I do want to know right now what is one of his. What is the last movie that scared both of you? Like really got to you. Mine's not out yet, so I like we can talk about it a uh, little bit, I guess. Mm-hmm. And I'm also trying not. Is, it talk, I've, is I've, it talk to me? It's fucking talk to me. It's it, <laughs> it scares the living like, shit out of me. Everyone is going to be talking about that <laughs> That's fucking gonna, movie. Yeah, and we have that a is movie, be but... one of those movies that comes up on the podcast. Like, we we have that come up. It's like when's the last movie? And a lot of times it's hereditary, or it's you know yeah. like there are these movies that keep coming up. And I have a feeling talk to me is going to be that movie in like a year's time. Absolutely. That movie fucked my head up though when I watched it. Jesus. (laughs) I I so like Sean hasn't seen it, which is like the saddest thing. I'm really hoping we can get a screener soon. But like I uh yeah, that movie had me like had me shaking a bit and I haven't been shaking in a film in a long time. But I will (laughs) I will mention (laughs) I will mention because you said hereditary, and I think that's probably like we'll talk about intros to horror and like when we were kids, but hereditary is the film that like turned the key for me. Um, like in 2018, like, so I, and, and we can kind of talk about this when I, when, when I talk about my pick, but I've never, I was never a huge horror kid growing up, but we'll get to that at another time. But in 2018, Hereditary comes out and I'm a big film guy. It looks like a, it looks like a, you know, artsy fartsy, you know, indie flick. And I'm like, hell yeah. Love A24. You can't see my shorts, but I'm wearing them right now. Um, and it's just oh my like... God, you have the A24 I, shorts. <laughs> I do. I also have... I, I literally support them. So I have my Killing of a Sacred Deer mug literally sitting oh right here. Oh my god. Um, you are a shill. So I respect it. Anyways, <laughs> I have... I have um, one of their scents dangling in my car right now. The noir wow. scents. I didn't even know Nerds they do that. All around. Yeah, I could, <laughs> they do. I could just, well, the thing I is, could... they have candles, and I was like, I really want to oh. get a candle, but I ain't spending that kind of money on a candle if I don't know yeah. what it smells like. So I was like, let's yeah. get the car fresheners. I didn't know that <laughs> so existed. I have noir hanging in my car right now. <laughs> wow, that's so good. I could take I you on a tour, him, but Marcel is up there. Yes, somewhere. I have Marcel wow. in the living room. Oh yeah. Anyways, <laughs> not being, sorry. Not, anyway, not just not just shelling out for a twenty four, but um. So Sean and I actually go to see this film, and I, you know, uh, not dissimilar to puberty, felt something change within me. Um, mm. I, I mean, Sean, do you want to tell the story from your perspective? No, no, I think no, you had a great, no. It's yeah. I mean, I, well, I literally like you yeah. know the scene. The I'm not whatever spoilers the 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 pole yeah, head scene spoiling you know whatever <laughs> if you're listening to this and you haven't seen Hereditary get yourself checked <laughs> what out what are you doing but, um, <laughs> I uh, I literally stuck like the that happens and my hands went straight into the air like I straight up just like was hands in the air and I I felt something change and that that was really my moment of like horror can be anything like I. You know, I know the types of horror that I like, and like I found 
the type of horror that I love, which is hereditary, and I still think it's my favorite horror film. But yeah, so that was like my, you know, definitely the the film that like rocked me the most, and that was you know five years ago. So yeah, I just want to say, as Steve's friend, as Steve's longtime friend. It was so frustrating because I've been obsessed with horror forever and, and a lot of our friends are and he just wasn't like he was I think he always had the spooky bug, you know, like we would talk about like Tim Burton films and, and different things, different art and things that we liked. But in terms of getting yeah. him to sit down or join us with horror movie nights, couldn't do it. And yeah. I tried. I tried for a long time and he just wasn't it wasn't his thing. And uh, her, when the trailer for Hereditary came out, seeing him excited about it was very exciting for me. And it was. It was me and him and our buddy Cam, who is also a big horror fan, and we went and saw it. And he's not exaggerating. You, I was sitting next to him, and I could feel him become a horror fan during that movie. And it was <laughs> it, so cool. I'm, I'm being dead serious. Like, I, I, I think that, uh, you know, horror fans, you guys will understand we love this genre, and one of the most fun things about it is bringing people into the dark side really and exposing is. them. Yeah, and and this is a moment I will never forget was Steve's beautiful transformation into a <laughs> horror fan via Hereditary. So just had to throw that out there that he's not making yeah. shit up. That's that's how it went down. Yeah. Wait, that's so sweet. That's I love this. <laughs> <laughs> wow. Then, okay, then, Sean, what about you? What is a movie that has terrified you recently? Okay, so it's in terms of recently, it's hard. I, I can point to movies that, uh, you know, because I, I get asked by by friends or, or people, you know, like, what's the what's the scariest movies that have come out recently what's, and stuff? Uh, and yeah. you know, every, and it's, everyone has that same yes, question. When, when people know that you're a big horror fan, especially when you work in the industry to some degree, it's you get asked and it's yeah. fun. Uh, but it's hard because fear is such it's an... It's very hard. You know, it's, it's not an objective thing. It's it's very subjective. Um, and I'm pretty desensitized like us at yeah. this point. So I, I don't know about yeah. the most recent, but I the thing I'm going to tell you is... I think to this day, the scary, the thing that had the biggest impact on me was Marble Hornets, which isn't exactly a horror <gasps> movie, but I'm sure you guys yes. are familiar with. Yeah. Oh, Marble yes. Hornets, when it was still season one, when there were only the 23 or 26 episodes. Before Slenderman was cool. Yeah. Before, before Slenderman was games or really even memes, it was. I thought it was real. I was in high school and I'm not joking. I, you know, I had been a horror fan for years at that point was desensitized and I slept with the lights on for three nights in a row. Oh, and wow. it, um, yeah, it, uh, <laughs> it, it really, it, it was just pure paranoia, um, it injected into my veins. when I watched it too. Yeah. Cause I was like, nope, I can't do it. It's real. It's coming for yes. me. Cause it was right again. Like you said, it was right when like found footage was like it was like right when YouTube found footage stuff was happening mm -hmm. like yes. and all of those people like people were uploading things and being like it's real and you were like maybe it is yep and yeah. it was oh. ugh. I completely bought it. I'm also I was leaning towards Alien at the time and I've always I got Alien on the brain. That's a whole episode in itself. Um, <laughs> and uh, and yeah, man, it it was just pure paranoia straight in straight into my system and and I thought it was real and nothing has ever hit me that hard since and I wish I could show it to people today but you can't because everybody knows what Slender Man is. So you can't have yeah. the same experience that I, you know, the people that were watching at that time had. It's unfortunate. Yeah. That's another one of those Oof. things that I, I missed because um, I'm I'm a, I'm a little older and so I I I knew I was aware of it I was aware mm -hmm. of Slenderman but I never I remember sitting down and watching one of the videos and going I don't get it and then just moving on like it just I was not I was not in that kind of you should mindset. watch them now that I've converted you to found footage because you didn't <laughs> like it until recently and now you might because of me 
you. It's <laughs> I totally get that. It's a even in its prime, even when you know it, Slenderman wasn't this icon, um, and we didn't have like a real life case behind it that kind of tainted yeah. that whole thing. Obviously, yeah. Um, it uh, it's not it's not something that is for everybody. It was just one of those. It was like a it it had a target audience. It found them at mm. the right time, and and if you happen to be a part of that audience and catch it at the right time, then I think it's one of for me it is it is one of the most enjoyable and like exciting uh, watches that I've had. Still, it's also me, and scared the hell out of me. It's also yeah. like like with, I'm sure we'll talk about this, but like with so much fun footage, it's so contextual. Like mm. very similar yeah. to like. Blair Witch and even the film that we were going to talk about today like I feel like the way that you watch it and when you watch it and how old you are when you want like all of those things yeah. are so important um, that, yeah. I mean that's kind of horror in general but um, specifically with found footage like that is it's so contextual so like you may have just missed it which sucks <laughs> you know what yeah. I mean like yeah. it's like well yeah. you know it won't affect me ever that same way well, we've, we've had a couple people in that have talked about creepypastas and talked about that sort of like yeah. online community that sort of evolved around them and it just I I miss that that thing because yeah. uh, I was like in out of college at that point because I'm I'm I'm, for, I'm 42 so like I missed a whole bunch of that type of that I that I think if I was like of the right age, I would have been obsessed with it. If I had come to age when there was the internet and there was YouTube and there was all that kind of shit, like I would have been yes, deeply into that those communities for sure. Yeah. sure. Like, I want to. We're all going to the alls. Oh, sorry. Oh no, no, my bad, my bad. You you you, you go ahead. <laughs> it's your so show. Like Marble, like, when I think of when I think of like Marble Hornets, I think of we're all going to the World's Fair. Like that was very much yes. my vibe. That that's like very much like that era. But anyway, yes. that's it. That's all I wanted to say. <laughs> I'm just curious. Uh, you're making me think of it now, talking about creepypastas. Are you guys familiar with the back rooms at all? Because um, yeah. that might... Yeah, I think that the back rooms is is a in that realm, and if I I'm going to put that as my honorable mention to your question about the scariest thing recently. I think there's a lot of potential there to do something exciting with that. It's it's very like they're freaky videos and it's it's goofy, but um, I don't know. Yeah, just wanted to yeah. Hell throw yeah. that out there <laughs> so I'm, I'm curious how long have you guys known each other high school how how long sean yeah so <laughs> it's, you, it's you can a, pinpoint I, it more than i can we've we've known we've known of each other since about high school we had a lot of mutual friends um it okay. sounds oh, yeah, weird right, but yeah. but it, we yeah. uh we had a lot of mutual <laughs> friends but then didn't um we didn't really interact, but I know on both of our ends, we were told by other people, like, you should really hang out with Steve and you should really hang out with Sean. And, uh, and then it kind of, we like tried to make like, uh, like projects together, like a couple different things. And yeah, we uh, like wrote yeah. some stuff together and this is yeah, like, a, this like, is like a, oh, a decade plus now. So, yeah. yeah. So, so high school is, is my answer. But yeah. And then <laughs> we, we have, simple. you know, we had some mutual friends and then just became, uh became close yeah. shortly after high school so we've been really yeah. good friends for about a decade and uh obviously have very similar interests <laughs> yeah <Huh>. weird <laughs> yeah <laughs> wait and then sean you're also an illustrator right you do like spooky illustrations yeah it's um uh, i haven't been uh, i <laughs> i'm not the best at, at figuring out uh that part of my life in a professional setting yet um i don't have yeah. like as much of a, a grasp on being able to do it every time i want to i get creative block a lot but yes yeah i uh cool. i do illustrations online under the name like hypocrite ink and i've done done a couple things i'm working on something right now that's taking way longer than it's supposed to uh, <laughs> because i'm just a Ain't mess that just the way <laughs> yeah yeah <laughs> yeah 
but it'll be cool oh, yeah. when it comes out. So yeah, yeah. Once yeah. I you know get on top of it, it it'll be good. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Okay, so we've talked about all that awesome stuff, but I let's dive into the movie that you brought with you today, Steve. What movie yes. are we talking about? The film that we are talking about is the 2009 found footage, quote-unquote, masterpiece, Quarantine. Hell yeah. All right, so for, the, <laughs> for those Uh-oh. of you unfamiliar, um, Quarantine is a uh, remake of Wreck, which we have talked about on the podcast previously, and in Quarantine... Reporter reporter Angela, played by Jennifer Carpenter, and her cameraman Scott are doing a story on night shift firefighters for a reality TV program, one of whom is played by Jay Hernandez, who is a babe. A oh. late night distress <laughs> call takes them to an L.A. apartment building where the police are investigating report of horrific screams. The TV team and emergency workers find an old woman who is, who is suddenly attacked with teeth barred. What's more, Angela and company find that the building has been sealed by CDC workers. Then the attacks really begin. Yeah. What a... Yeah. Is that from IMDb? What a... What a... Sure is. Sure is. I did add the J. I, I added the Jay Hernandez as a babe thing. Well, yeah, um, that sure. was me editorializing. That? That I, did, I did editorialize a little bit there. Um, I think that was yeah. on the back, on the back of, the... of the DVDs. Yeah. <laughs> Same joke. One of the Jay Hernandez who is a babe. Like, yep. seriously. That's true. I wrote all the promotional cool. material for this movie. There you go. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> all right, anyway. So, so take us back. How old were you when you saw this? How did you see this? Give us yeah. your horror story. All right. Can I preface this by saying something really quick? I need to preface Absolutely. this whole conversation. You preface I have not, anything you want. I have not seen Wreck. What? Oh. Wow. Shunned. So, so, so and like, and like, I listen, I am very, oh my God. I like. Oh, Terry's left. Terry left. Oh I my need, God. And Terry so, left. And so I just I need to make sure I preface this because I knew it was going to come out in in one way or another. No, Um, get that out of the way first. Absolutely. So, (laughs) so I haven't I haven't seen Wreck. I saw Quarantine when I was a fresh. I believe it came out my freshman year of high school. Um, or no, it came out in in October. I think that year. So freshman year of high school. Um, so I was fourteen. And I hadn't seen Wreck before then, wasn't a big horror fan. Um, mm-hmm. And so, and to this day, I know that it's supposed to be the the inferior, you know, remake, obviously. Like, normally the remakes aren't better than the originals, but it's not, people don't really say it's on par. They say that, you know, the ending changes, I think, is one of the differences, uh, or that it's mm-hmm. basically shot for shot with worst acting. Um, and, you know, a lot of the reviews are like, people should just read subtitles, which, like, fair. Um I want to watch Wreck. I just haven't gotten around to it. But I also am not going to let it spoil how I feel about quarantine. Um, Absolutely. And like, I still like we could talk about how I feel about the film. But um, so I just wanted to get that out of the way. I have nothing against Wreck. And I just haven't seen it yet. (laughs) And I want to and I will. Uh, Literally, Sean and I were talking about it today. But I wanted to make sure you guys knew all of these thoughts and anyone listening. All of these thoughts. This is like a Plato's like <laughs> Plato's cave or whatever the fuck it is. Like I'm not aware of wreck. So all of my yep. thoughts, okay. I'm, I'm not, I'm only seeing the shadow. I'm not seeing like the real image. Um, so don't like be upset with me. Yeah. Well, okay. So before we do dig into that, let, I, I do want to, I do want to say something because I, I, I do think American remakes get a bad rap of, of I, like, I agree it with horror fans. They do. And the thing is, is that like, for me, when I was, when I was like, when, when the ring came out, 
what was that? 2001, somewhere around there. I For think sure. it was like 20 at the time. Was it 2001, 2000, somewhere around in that early mm-hmm. 2003, maybe two. Okay. So like I was, I was like in my twenties at that time. And that was the first time that I like realized that there were movies made outside of Hollywood because this was right. a remake of a Japanese horror movie. And that like spearheaded me into a different direction as a horror fan. So while people may have problems with the remakes, may call them inferior, may say things like, go watch the subtitles. The thing that I do appreciate about American remakes is that for the right fan, it will spur them into finding more horror films. And so that's what it did with me. And it opened up this huge world of J-horror and and K-horror and just a whole bunch of things that I never would have experienced had that movie never come to American audiences. So I just want to kind of preface that, that like it is a remake. I don't yeah. think it's, it, it's as superior as wreck, but it doesn't matter. Yeah. What can I quickly say? Can I quickly <laughs> yes, say please. Uh, that I, we defend, and especially me uh, defend remakes a lot on our pod. A lot of remakes are terrible. Um, but I think it is people. It's almost like when we enter into the co- the conversation about movie remakes, especially American remakes of, of uh, foreign movies, obviously there's issues there people should be able to consume content from other places. And I think that there's, you know, there's like a, like a, a white American issue there, but also in the nature of storytelling, um, we have always retold stories like, like forever. Mm -hmm. And, and there's different versions of, of, you know, every mythology. I just think it's in our nature to keep stories alive by retelling them and stuff. Um, So I, I think it's, it, I just want to say that like people that are just against all remakes, I think that I don't agree with that, but I do understand the frustration that comes with them. Well, I also will say on the flip side of that, a couple weeks ago, it's announced that Speak No Evil is being remade like less than a year or like a year after the Danish, you know, the original Danish version comes out. And Sean and I are both not (laughs) stoked on that. (laughs) I'm not like, whatever. I'm going to say, never mind. Whatever. Look, Speak No Evil fine i just don't understand like, yes. why you're obsessing over it like it's fine yeah. i don't know there's weirder oh, okay. shit out there why are we all acting like this oh, whatever okay. yeah yeah Watch you have different thoughts on shit guys come yeah. on <laughs> jesus christ i've yeah. never watched a fucking european splatter movie before yeah Sorry, it was aggressive <laughs> It was very aggressive. <laughs> totally fair. She has feelings. <laughs> yes. Like, right. Thomas, cut out. That ain't shit. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. Anyway. No, no, so when fair. did you yeah. first see this movie? Tell us everything yeah. when you first saw Quarantine. So, so Quarantine, uh, <laughs> I, I was 14. Um, I think high school, you know, had just started or maybe, you know, had been like a month and at this point, I'm going to horror films if my friends want to because I'm hanging out okay. with them and seeing movies. I am not gotcha. seeking them out by my own accord. And um, I was with my friend Brandon and I believe our friend Gabe uh, and quarantine is rated R. And so um, Brandon's parents, who were advocates of the genre or at least advocates of letting their their child, my good friend, our good friend Brandon, see uh, things that maybe 14-year-olds shouldn't. We're like, we'll go sit in the theater and you guys can sit in another row. Like, we're not taking you guys to the movies. Um, and so we go into this film and uh, the beginning, and again, it feels so weird because I'm, I'm, I want to talk about this film as if it's like this original thing and it's it's obviously not. So I'm like, they set it up so well, but they did it in the original. But like, no, the- share how you feel 
share how you feel yeah. about it. I want to hear how so, you feel about it. It's yeah. not and for, so, don't, think about Rec. Think about how you right. experienced it and how you right. feel about All it. Right. Get, get we'll save the Rec talk for later. <laughs> sure. Yeah. yeah. Um, and listen, so, if you judge him, I'll yeah. fight you. Be nice. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Shut up, guys. Um, and so I see this film. I'm going to talk. I'm going to talk from the point of view of my 14 year old self. So I see this film. All right. And the right. beginning is, you know, it's funny. There's jokes happening. I don't really recognize um, things as being misogynistic because I'm 14. So I'm I'm just a douchebag kid laughing at the, you know, I'm going to bang this girl jokes that are happening. And so I'm drawn into this film. I'm like, there's funny firefighters and a woman who obviously wants to be a part of the, you know, the guy's crew. And she's a strong lead and whatever. And so they, you know, you're waiting for them to get a call and they finally get a call. And that's very exciting. And in my opinion, from that point. Rack is like all gas, no break. Or not Rack, sorry. Well, I mean, Rack probably is too. But quarantine, Freud would say something about what just happened. But quarantine is like all gas, no break. Like literally yes. so chaotic from the moment that they get in. So that was one thing that I think I I loved about it. Um, but I was terrified because that movie is straight chaos. And a lot of people, I've, I'm on Letterboxd. I obviously, you know, watching it now, like 29 years old. I am reading through these reviews and seeing people bitch about Jennifer Carpenter. I don't agree. Like, I think that she is, like, doing stress and fear so well in, like, a very nuanced way that at 14 year old, at fourteen years old, I was feeling that. Like, when she's freaking out at the end, I was freaking out. Like, she is hyperventilating. I'm hyperventilating. My – our friend Brandon – has told the story before saying that I cried in the theater. I don't totally think I did. cried in the theater. He totally did. Uh, but I definitely no, Sean, this is not canon. I but like my friend Brandon will will say that because he's being a dumbass. But I am a very tall person. I'm six foot four. And this was a film where my knees were up to my chin. Like I was like I remember being like just a ball of of stress and anxiety and, and fear um because shit just doesn't stop like there's so many times in the movie where you're like i need to breathe and it doesn't really let you especially if you're like not a versed you know you're not versed in the genre you can't like take that step back and remove yourself and like digest a scene or like think about what they're saying you're just fucking scared (laughs) and so that was just all that i was was just scared um and honestly that led into I think that film also led into my love of found footage. I, I love found footage. I'm not nearly as versed as as you are, and I, I want to be I want to be um, more well versed. But I love the genre because of that film and because of um, January of that year, Cloverfield came out. So those two films really like spurred that uh, that love. So that's my initial memory. Okay. My friend Brandon tells a more compelling story, but <laughs> well, so I, I mean, you're right. This movie, once they get to the apartment building, it is pure chaos. It is something mm-hmm. is happening like every single moment of this film, and it is it's it's filmed almost in a continuous long take. Like there are cuts, yes. obviously, where they put the camera down, but in terms of like pacing, it just never it does not let up. It just is constantly moving through the entire film. But I'm yes. curious, were there particular moments that like? It just broke your brain at 14? I think that the man falling, uh, Fletch, the firefighter, <laughs> falling about at the end of the first act is one of the most jarring things that I've ever experienced in a theater. Like, I still, that is probably number two underneath Charlie's head hitting the pole. I, I remember, because it's a quiet moment. And they basically Doppler effect his scream coming from the fourth floor yes! all the way down. Uh! And then the splatter. And it's just like, you know, 
jump scares are jump scares, but they're great when they're earned, and that's a very earned jump scare. It's not out of place in the context of the film. Um, it's it's everything that you want from from a jump scare, and yeah, that that viscerally just shook me. Um, I'll also so say we love yeah. a falling moment. We love a falling moment. Oh yeah. Um, I was I was just thinking like back. I don't know if you guys have seen Z, and I'm not going to spoil the moment, but there is a falling moment in Z uh, down a staircase that is just like comes. They when executed correctly, and they just come out of nowhere. You're like, what the fuck? And it's such yeah. a great moment. We yes. I love them exactly. And I it was just one of those things where it just it shook me because you're not you're not thinking about the situation that Fletch's still currently like dealing with with the Mm -hmm. old woman upstairs and so it like brings you back to like you know you're stuck in one reality and it brings you back to another that's happening concurrently because of the fact that this is all one you know quote unquote all one long take for this film or at least takes place during this one night um you were remembering that these different things are happening in the apartment complex the other thing that i'll say really freaked me out about this film i'll i'll save the full explanation for our next uh conversation but i growing up really hated uh foaming at the mouth like seeing people foaming at the mouth freaked me out and it still kind of like still kind of freaks me out um and so the the people um foaming at the mouth really like made me uncomfortable um i think that the the special effects makeup and and all of that is done really well in this film so like you know I don't like old people. They freak me out as well. So, like, you know, the fact that this film... Old people freak me the fuck out, dude. The fact that this film starts off, starts off with a, an old woman foaming at the mouth is like, cool, check all the fucking boxes for me. Um, and then she's you know? the one that throws the man yeah. down the, the stairs. So, like, um, yeah, those, those were, like, very specific things that I can point to as being, like, these, these definitely scared me. Um, the other thing... I guess the the third thing that I will say is, and Sean and I just talked about this. We we watched it recently. Is um near the end of the film, and you guys, I'm sure you guys say spoilers for all of this stuff, but like near the end of the film, oh, we're we're, we're a spoiler. We're cast. way past you that. Just... Um, at the end of the film, Scott, the cameraman, literally just says, "Oh, an an attic became open. I'm gonna stick my camera up there." to see if anything's there which essentially is a device of like i'm gonna put the camera in this dark area and spin it around until something scary happens i know that now i'm an adult at 14 years old i was like fuck 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 what's gonna happen what's gonna happen just like really scared because it's one of those moments you can't escape i wanted to crawl out of my skin and you're just like sitting there waiting for something to happen and so i that that device again for a 14 year old kid was so successful they did it so well yeah i I can't can't disagree i can't disagree with that um i will say i think rec does a little bit better i'm sure i'm sure (laughs) yeah okay i'm curious what it was like watching the ending of this movie uh in the theater for the first time because i i've seen i saw rec on like a really shitty blu-ray that i think was not like a legit Blu-ray yeah. that I got shipped to me that I watched. I'm watching it on the, my like laptop. I'm, my face is so close to the screen. But I can't imagine seeing that moment for the first time in a movie theater. So I'm kind of curious how that ending scene kind of played out for you. Yeah, I think so. Going back to what I was talking about with the, the contextuality of, of horror and the contextuality of found footage. Um, when Sean and I rewatched this film uh, recently, we watched it in daylight. Um when I saw this in a theater, theater's pitch black. 
and yeah. and this is also back in the day where they probably didn't like have exits lit up as full as light as they are now like it was fucking dark in the theater so um in that in quarantine the the light is flashing the camera is not staying on the whole time so it's it's going you know light dark light dark and so yep i i just your heart is racing the whole time um you see doug jones's beautiful scary face and you're like fuck and it starts to beat even faster and uh yeah and then at the ending again that's one of those moments where they toy with giving you a moment to breathe and then they don't and like i don't love the ending i think it's kind of a cliched like you know not overdone but like something that you've seen before again viewing this as an adult um and so it was one of those things where they're you know she's been freaking out for so long um and your heart has been racing and she's trying to escape and then you finally have a moment to breathe where everything's quiet you see her and she's just trying to get to the camera and she's dragged away and so you're you get one last like you know one last jump scare one last like heart palpitation um so yeah that the ending really fucked me up um i will say viewing this from my current point of view i really think it's so damn goofy when found footage films use the green night vision uh Mm. effect because it's so and like again two of my favorite found footage films cloverfield and quarantine and they both do it and it's just goofy and doesn't exist and it it immediately now pulls me out like anytime i see a film and they're like it's dark let's turn on night vision on our camcorder um it'll just take me out of the scene completely um but at that point i wasn't thinking about that so i was just thinking about like thinking about her not being able to see because jennifer carpenter does a great job of like fake like tapping around with her eyes huge to try to you know see where she is um so yeah it was it was very like visceral and i think they did a great job and i to that point i would love for my first time when i experienced rec to like see it in a theater or see it in a good environment like i need one of the repertory theaters here to bring it out in october or something um because i don't want to experience this film in a in a way where I'm going to be like, eh, I didn't like it as much because of external factors. So yeah. So I had a similar experience where I saw quarantine first, and I saw quarantine in theaters as well. Yeah. Because I saw it when I was 15 um, in theaters with my dad because my dad would take me to like all the big movies, and we would love found footage. Like I loved the Brothers Project, I loved Cloverfield, um, Paranormal Activity was the next year, but like all yeah. of those movies, I was super excited about, and so. When I saw Quarantine, it scared the shit out of me. Like, absolutely fucking terrified me. I, again, like, I had, I hadn't seen anything like that before. Like, I, Mm -hmm. even though I had, like, seen horror stuff, it still felt new to me as a Mm 15-year-old in terms of how, like you said, like, it just starts going and bad things start happening immediately. And Mm -hmm. um, this was the same year The Strangers came out, I think. So I had also seen The Strangers, and that was similar in terms of, like, once again, like, all gas, yeah. no brakes, like, five minutes in. And so I was, like, really finding how much I love these kinds of, like, lean, mean movies that were, like, mm-hmm. just fucking get into it. And this movie absolutely fucked me up, especially when the little girl starts, like, eating the mom. Like, yes. that yeah. really got to me. So it was, like, because in the trailer, they have the guy, I think, fall. And the trailer was what really excited me about it. Because I was, like, okay. ooh, zo-. again, I was really into zombies, so I was, like, super excited. And I think dexter was on 
Was Dexter on at this point, the show? I believe so. Anyone remember? 2008, I think it was. Maybe yeah, just starting. it started in 2006, yeah. Okay, okay, because I love Dexter, and I love Jennifer Carpenter. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and I was watching right. us too, watching Dexter too young, yes, but whatever. And I was really excited to see her in it, and I should have known I was queer for that as well when I was younger. <laughs> but again, hindsight is twenty twenty. Um, But this movie, like, I was panicked. This whole movie had me panicking, sweating, and then the ending, just, like, I was appalled. Never see like, old, D- Doug Jones is an old woman, like, with the boobies. I was like, yeah. what? Yeah. Like, never had, like, conceptualized that as a monster. And it just, like, absolutely blew my little brain. And my dad, of course, is like, my dad's an idiot. And was just like, oh, old woman titties. And I'm like, that was really scary. <laughs> that was really fucking scary. And I, I don't remember like having like having any big big effects after, but I remember loving it and wanting to watch it over. Like this was like a comfort movie for me for a while. Like I would mm. put this on when it came out on DVD like all the time. I Hell loved yeah. it so much. I, so yes, I, I have a soft spot in my heart for this movie. As much as I love Wreck, like this was my introduction to like that whole thing, and it like good. It, it I am I imprinted on it a bit as a teenager. <laughs> good. I uh, I have a question because I. When Scott looks up into the attic, so they're in, they're in like the top floor apartment, whatever, and they see yeah. all this stuff, which is which is pretty interesting. And Rec probably has the same shit going on with the uh, cult defector trying to make a Armageddon virus, it's whatever different. it is. It's it different. Is. Okay. It's different. Okay, fuck yeah, because I like the concept of that. I like the rabies concept and like all the shit that he's doing, and I would love a spinoff. Anyways, when Scott puts his camera up. Does he see a? Is it a baby? Is it a weird baby thing? Because in my mind, I always thought that like he saw Doug Jones's like weird, creepy person character, and like that person came down from the attic because he was. It's not. Mm-mm. No. Okay. It's a second. It's like a second thing. That yeah. part is always and, weird to me. And, and they don't explain it. Well, okay. So what I really like about both of these movies is that they don't really explain a whole lot. They give you some context clues. There's a little bit of environmental storytelling going on, but they don't really yeah. answer anything. And apparently uh, that the tape that they play that you can't quite understand was originally supposed to give more exposition. And they're like, we, they realized oh. that it spoils a little too much. Like it was going to lay out all the stuff that was happening, basically be like the villain twirling his mustache at the end and explaining his dastardly plan. Gotcha. Um, and they decided not to do that, which I'm really glad because hey, that is one of the strong things. Yeah. <laughs> it's one yeah. of the strong things I think about both wreck and this one, but I will say that the, the kid in, in the, in the ceiling is still kind of a conundrum in wreck. It's explained more in wreck two, uh, okay. as wreck two sort of dives into more of the mythology of what's going on there's more of that into it but yes that kid coming out of nowhere it's like who was that kid (laughs) yeah yeah i was always really confused about it i um i'm glad that you gave that bit of context because yeah i when we were watching it recently i was like okay obviously they're playing the the track at the wrong speed so like i wonder what it sounds like sped up i'm sure that that's somewhere on the internet so i'd be really curious to see what it is but yeah i'm like i'm geeked about the thought like I like that little background of a cult defector and they were stealing like weaponized viruses and this sort of stuff. And it turned into a, a rabies zombie apocalypse sort of thing. Also, Mary Beth, to your point, Joey King is so good. I love Joey King. Oh, as a little girl in this 10 out of 10, my favorite actor in the movie. Yes. I she didn't like great. even register. It was her until I looked it up today. I was like, no. Oh fuck. That was Joey King. What yeah. the hell? And then 
And then that moment, she bites her mom, and the mom is screaming, run away, honey. Like, it's totally fine. You just bit me, but, like, get safe. They're going to kill you. I just, like, I love that manic energy from from a maternal it's figure. It's wild. <laughs> yeah. It really is. Uh, so, Sean, when, how old were you? When did you see this movie? I'm curious. So, I don't know exactly. I'm, I'm pretty sure that it was a, a bit after when Steve saw it. I was probably, like, I, I saw it later than everybody else. I didn't see it right when it came out. I'm going to guess okay. 17, uh, but it was by our same friend. Okay. Uh, Coulter uh, Brandon uh, <laughs> is a really big fan of this movie and and uh, and likes to show it off. But I just saw it, you know, like, at his house. Uh, um but yeah, yeah, some, something like that, and it, it definitely. I mean, I didn't, I didn't cry, but it, uh, <laughs> it impacted me. <laughs> it, um, it's, it's, a, it's, so it's incredibly. What scene did you cry at, Steve? I'm curious. <laughs> I do, listen. I'm a I'm crier during canon. movies. I will, I will cry. Oh, don't worry. But Brandon's already talked about it on our show. Thank fucking god. Um, yeah. <laughs> I will cry during movies. I cry pretty frequently during movies. Uh not horror films. <laughs> Unless there's like a very yeah. I can't imagine I can't remember like ever crying during a horror film. But I will oh, admit I, I cry during <laughs> films, but I I can't I I would stand here and take it on the chin if I cried during quarantine <laughs> and I just maybe I repress the memory, but I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, I didn't mean to interrupt you, Sean, but I just I no, couldn't let that stand. It's yeah, it's it, it's one of our favorite things to just poke at whenever this movie comes on. Obviously, like ain't nothing wrong with crying. Um, I've definitely <laughs> cried at a horror movie, so totally get it. Um, but yeah, yeah. I'm sorry. Where were we? <laughs> so I was did, asking did, about like you saw quarant- how you saw quarantine, and then also follow up. When did you see Wreck? Me? Um. So I saw Wreck. Yeah, after. Have you seen Wreck? I definitely. Yeah, I, I okay. definitely saw Wreck after quarantine. Um, it actually wasn't that long ago. Um, it was probably within the past like five or six okay. years, which I guess is a decent amount of time, but like in, in comparison, and loved it. But I've only seen it like twice, I think. So I uh, I okay. wanted uh, I need to re up on it again for sure. I don't remember the difference in the ending, is what I'll say. Um, okay. Uh, well, I mean, it, it's just the the ending of Wreck is more religious in terms of like ideas of possession and weird Mm. like catholic type of thing yeah whereas this is more like just a defector and they're using a virus to like yeah i don't don't really know what they plan to do with the virus unleash like armageddon virus i guess and turn everyone into rabies monsters so it's it is it is different because like it's more about the vatican finding this this girl that was possessed and then doing experiments on it and then that's sort of what snowballed everything okay Viral Damn. demons got it. I, I want to watch Wreck because I love yeah. religious horror. So I feel like See, that's like a good up well, my alley can thing. I, can I say then, and I remember I loved Wreck. I don't really think I have like a, an incredibly strong opinion about which one I liked more. Um, obviously, nothing but respect to the original. Always, you know, quarantine would not exist without Wreck and, and what those uh, filmmakers and creatives did. For me personally, I love the the rabies, like the viral narrative for this story specifically. Um, and I love not getting that exposition. I think uh, just like you, Mary Beth, you brought up The Strangers earlier and, you know, movies that don't explain why things are ha- like I don't want a backstory. I don't want a why. 
all the time, you know? Um, it, I think a lot yeah. of the times a movie will be great until the last half hour when you ruin it by, by making sure I get a really close look at what's behind the curtain. <laughs> Let's turn all the lights on. And uh, so cough, I think... the last exorcism, cough. <laughs> you know, in... Um, yeah, yeah, dude. And there's more. Uh, yeah, that's a whole other. <laughs> but um, but <laughs> I, I will say, I think for me, quarantine will probably hit more in that aspect because, like... I don't know, religious horror, unless it's really culty, like at least like Catholic horror demon stuff is going to not hit me as hard as like the concept of rabies eventually mutating somehow or something for me. Because Sean will be like, that shit's going to happen. Like that shit yeah, could happen. A hundred percent. Yeah. A hundred percent. And we're not so going to handle like, it well. This isn't horror. This is, this is a, this is a pre-documentary. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, like I, I also, I saw this in the theaters I had seen Wreck beforehand, and Wreck had made me excited to see, to bring my friends to go see this movie. And um, I had told on, on our episode with Wreck with um, um, Rob Savage, I talked a little bit about my story of I got like a a disc that I found on eBay for these because there were a lot of movies that are coming out that time over overseas that I really wanted to watch, and who knew if they were ever going to come here. And so I had bought Wreck. I'd gotten this really shitty copy of a dvd that was darker than it than it is and it's a dark movie and i remember sitting there and, and having the absolute shit scared out of me so i was really excited to bring my friends to go see this because a lot of my friends weren't into the more the subtitles or you know not the artsy kind of thing that i was yeah. into and i was like this is a big you know hollywood produced movie with recognizable people that you might want to go see and i was like maybe you know we'll, we'll go and we'll go watch this and i remember thinking so I've only seen, I think this might actually only be the second time I've seen this movie, maybe third. I might've watched it on DVD when it came out. I can't remember, but I do remember thinking, I really like some of the stuff that it's doing, but like everything that, that it's doing, I felt that Wreck was doing better for the most part mm -hmm. was my problem. But I will say there are, there, there are two things in this that uh, there there's, there's a couple things in this. I do think this does better than, than Wreck. I really like the kind of in-camera use of using it as a bludgeoning weapon that, yes. <laughs> that Scott does at one point. Yes. yes. Like, that was a big fuck yeah moment in this movie that yes. is full of, like, everything is going wrong. Everything is, is falling apart. No one is getting a win. And so seeing that moment of, like, them fighting back and just using the camera, whatever they have to push back, I love yeah. that moment. And I think that that's something this movie still when i was rewatching it today was like yeah this this works really well for me i love that moment do you, I like um, there's a political commentary in it somewhere there's some sort of social <laughs> something about filmmakers using our art to beat out whatever <laughs> i'm thinking of diary of the dead a lot i actually have thoughts about why they changed the ending to what they did too about that because of the context like the like post 9-11 context of everything and i feel like there was such a resurgence of people like wanting to believe in god again and like wanting to put like their faith into something and i i mean again this also might just be people think are stupid to understand like the religious ending and it also was from spain and spain is a very religious country but there's also something interesting mm -hmm. about changing it to like a doomsday cult in a po this, the post 9-11 context and, like, the way that we kind of shaped the narrative and also about how the media is represented and, like, felt about in, like, the U.S. Mm -hmm. at that time, too, is also very interesting mm -hmm. in tying that all in together. Yeah. So I find that just, like, a very fascinating, like, thinking about why they changed the ending. 
Totally fair. And yeah. why make that change? And again, like it could just be because they're like, eh, audiences might not get it. We're not like as religious of a country. But at the same time, it feels interesting, like just taking that and putting it here. I have two two quick things. One, um, I love the way that the police officer's relationship with the filmmakers change <laughs> throughout the course of the film because he's very like abrasive with them. And then the CDC guy is like, get the camera like up in the beginning of the third act it's like get the camera out of here the cops cops like they have every right to be here so it's just a yep. very funny yeah. like I, it, just it the, is... the writing is goofy there oh yeah it i, I do oh, think yes. it's, it's funny because like it this movie is definitely like a cab through like a, a good portion of this movie and then by yeah. the end of it he's almost come around and he i think he realizes how fucked they are and that yeah. this is going to be sort of like the, the document of their existence that that this is actually happening and so it is interesting to see his his journey like he's a very side character and so we don't really get to see it fleshed out but just these these points of him constantly pushing the camera back saying turn it off and if i tell you you run if i do this you do this and by the end of it being completely out of his depth and just being like no we do got to film all this because i don't think we're gonna make it (laughs) and dead yeah Yeah, and and essentially dead at the end i um the -hmm. other thing i was curious about is so again going back to context this film obviously has people in it that you're like you know Jennifer Carpenter as soon as the movie starts, and like you know Jay Hernandez, oh, um, and you can call I know me, Jay Hernandez. Yeah, and you can see like you know, like I know Joey King. I knew um, the Dick Lawyer who gets killed by the dog. He's in like the American Horror Story. Um, some mm-hmm. of the seasons yep. I can't remember what his name is off the top. But like, do you think that watching a horror film where you don't recognize anyone? adds to it like i think that's one thing that sean and i spoke about with um speak no evil is like if i see an american version of speak no evil the actors are gonna pull me out of it i think like i'm gonna Mm. recognize these people and see them as these actors as opposed to like you know using cloverfield and paranormal activity as examples cloverfield i didn't know anyone in it like T.J. Miller was his first movie. He's probably the most notable name out of all the people. And my, or I guess Lizzie Kaplan now is probably the biggest one. But both of them were very young, and I didn't know them at you know fourteen years old watching right. that film. Um, and then Paranormal Activity is like nobody's literally. Um, so do you think that kind of changes your view or changed your view? You know, watching Jennifer Carpenter be scared as opposed to watching a you know, a Spanish woman who you didn't know being scared? I do, because I, I, I do think that, like, one of the things that found footage has historically done is yeah. used a lot of unknown people to, like, heighten that kind of realness that this is a real thing. Whereas here, this is a Hollywood production. I mean, you have Jennifer Carpenter, you have, you know, Jay Hernandez, you have Doug Jones doing the, 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 the creature. You know, we have yeah. these people that are known or i mean in the case of doug jones people probably didn't know him but they would know of his work if they had you know seen his filmography so we have like the situation where it does have a little bit more of a hollywood sheen to it in 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 some degree that i do think is what kind of heightened the idea of the of that of that one because like the the plot points of what happens are very similar you know there's the girl Mm. there's the there's the dog there's the little kid biting the mom there's the the woman in the beginning, there's the the finale, like all of these hit are, are, hit are, are hitting very similar beats. But I think when I was watching Wreck, I was like, I don't know if anyone's going to make it. And what's interesting is that like you, you, there's a, there's no one does make it in this too. Like, it's not as if mm-hmm. like Jennifer Carpenter is going to, you know, survive at the end of this, but it does sort of lessen it a bit. I guess it takes me out of it a little bit because these, uh, these are actors as opposed to people in some regard. Yeah. 
for like me. you know jennifer carpenter is going to get to the end you know that her that jay hernandez is probably going to at least take a long time before he dies and it's going to be a bummer when he does like you're more attached to these characters in terms of their like archetypal life structure in mm-hmm. a horror film than you are someone that you don't already know um yeah. i don't know if those words have ever been used in the sentence before but i feel proud that i just did that just that there you go <laughs> <laughs> so okay you brought up earlier jennifer carpenter and i have i have very changing thoughts on her performance in this when i saw this in the movie theater i was very annoyed by her 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 reaction Mm -hmm. because and i i think now i feel like this movie does her dirty whereas before i was like jennifer carpenter what happened here now i feel i do feel that this movie is a little is a little misogynistic towards that character in a way because yeah. the way that I think wreck. So wreck is over the top too. Like there's everyone is shouting in wreck, but it feels louder and adds to the kind of cacophony of it. So that by the time Angela is at the very end, just sobbing and is broken. Everyone around her is here. There are moments where it peaks, but I do feel that like, she is the only one that is really just really breaking down. We have some quiet moments of, of breaking down, but no one is, at her level. And so it feels as if what, if we're looking at her in a vacuum, it feels real. If I were in that situation, I'd be fucking hyperventilating. I'd be worried that I was a bit like everything she's doing. I would feel 110%, but I don't feel that anyone around her is living up to that level. So it's just, for me, it stands out as sort of like, here we go. The historic, the the only woman in this, the hysterical woman, while her cameraman is having to, it's okay, baby. Like he uses patronizing terms at this point, whereas before it was a very professional. He's like, it's okay, baby. We can do this, baby. We got this baby. And everyone else is basically calming her down because she is the hysterical woman and and listeners using that in quotations. And so I do feel that this movie does her bad. I don't think necessarily it's the acting. I think it's the way that this movie is a little bit embracing a lot of tropes that Hollywood movies have. Totally. Well, and it's like very much having like the firefighters and the EMTs are our heroes and they must be masculine and save the day. Once again, post 9-11 America, we must remember that they are our saviors, everybody. Like they are superheroes and they don't have emotions. They can only do the thing. Even though we talked about like the cop obviously showing the fact that he's terrified. I still think there's a pulled like a measuredness to that. Like, all of the men are mm-hmm. having a very measured reaction when, like, Jennifer Carpenter's the only one being like, uh, uh hey, this is all shit. And in Wreck, everyone is like, this is all shit. There isn't that, like, everyone inhibition just... of, like, gendered reactions. It's more just, like, everything is chaos. But here, it really... And again, the marketing... I mean, the marketing for both Wrecks played on a woman screaming on the front. But, like, Jennifer... Carpenter's in, like, a white tank top. You kind of see her cleavage. She's screaming on, the like, the poster. It's, like, the image of yeah. the movie. So there yeah. is, like... It's, a, in, it's in night vision, so it, it yeah. looks, like, salacious a bit. Like, there is... The way it's... The the, the male gaze in that poster is is something. Well, Very fair. Well, so interesting because... 100% so John fair. Eric Doddle, Doddle directed this, and he also directed As Above, So Below. He also directed the Poughkeepsie tapes. He's a big found footage guy and i i generally really like what he does with found footage as above so below and the big hipsy tapes are like two of my favorite found footage movies this one is just like so much more commercial i think it was trying to be more commercial and it has much more of that sheen and polish to it that it just like is so because i i don't necessarily 
think like he had there are some weird things like in a, as above so below with her as a woman but there, it's a little bit pushing back against that the Poughkeepsie tapes it's a whole other conversation that we do not have time for have either of you seen the Poughkeepsie tapes no I haven't it's on, it's on my list but no oh, I, I I yes but again that's one it's it's been uh it's been so long and it was only like once okay. that I I don't have a ton to, a ton of okay. commentary on it yeah and Terry have you seen yeah. it Okay. No. Cool. So yeah, but like that's a whole other weird can of worms about women that is a whole other podcast worth of stuff. So it's just very interesting to see like how this differs from the rest of his like filmography and what else he has done, at least in the found footage space. It's very yeah. fascinating. And how like I think he's a good person to choose to do it because of his experience, but at the same time it's like, oof, I don't know how much of a say he had or if he really just maybe is kind of a douchebag i hope not yeah but i also <laughs> so another question because i it's rare that we get to talk with uh with other other horror buffs um and people that host podcasts but what do your what happens to your feelings of a film i guess we could talk about this when we do like ratings of the film but what happens to your feelings of a film when you watched it when you were younger and really enjoyed it or experienced it a certain way, but then look at it from this point of view. Because, like, I mean, full transparency, us talking about, like, the male gaziness and the post-9-11 aspects of quarantine, like, I've never thought about them before. And I'm not I'm not going to, like, it doesn't detract from, like, my 14-year-old experience of it, but it does make me look at the film another way. And, like, I won't be able to watch it without those thoughts which is completely fine and that's what like film discourse and discussion is um but i'm I'm curious how you guys approach that like do you still maintain like oh i really enjoy this film because i did when i was younger or do you adapt how you're feeling now which there's no easy answer i feel like but i'm curious it it depends on the movie so like we talked about 30 days of night and that was a movie another movie that like i imprinted on as a teenager and now i watch it and i'm like very much it's like Again, the post 9-11, like, white savior narrative and, like, there are issues with it. But I still really like it and don't let that taint how I enjoyed it. Because when when I was younger, I didn't have any concept of those things. And even now, I still like it for what it is while also acknowledging it. So, like, with this, I can really still really like it. I mean, I like quarantine. Like, full stop here. I love rec, but I like quarantine. Whatever. This is a safe space. Um but like even with the like the male gazy stuff, I still don't. I don't think it necessarily affects my rating of it. I don't really rate things a lot of the time because like the ratings are so weird in my head. But like I yeah. still appreciate it for what it is. But take everything else like with yeah. like, a kind of an like the on with the context of that. And sometimes yeah. it might change how I feel about a film entirely. Again, it's just it's a, it's really really film by film situation. It's hard like to kind of yeah. tell. I mean, I, th- I think that there's a difference between being kind of a film lover and then also kind of being a, a critic and, and kind of digging into what about it works, what about it doesn't work. Because I remember, um, for instance, Monster Squad, huge movie when I was a kid, was a favorite, watched it over and over and over again, hadn't watched it in years, had sat down to watch it uh, before we watched it for Little Cuts, had sat down yeah. to watch it like, I don't know, back in 2018 and within like the first ten minutes of the movie, a kid is is using a, a, a slur for for gay people yeah. in the movie, and I was it took me back, and I was like, "Excuse me," and then it just kept. <laughs> Sean as the monster squad. Hell yeah! <laughs> that is so fucking cool. I just got it, so I had so to. Cool. Sorry, did, didn't mean to derail you. <laughs> no, that's really cool. I'm glad you. I'm glad you brought that up because, like, so that movie has a special place in my heart still, and I, I still think it's a good movie. But there are things in it that I'm just like, holy shit! 
that yeah. is not good. And I think about this in terms of like a movie like Dracula Den loving it. That movie comes up in the podcast once in a while. We even I was surprised we actually did an episode on it. That is a movie that imprinted on me as a teenager and I can quote that movie frontwards to backwards. And do I so when I'm looking at it now I can recognize that it it is pretty cheesy, but also there's a nostalgia factor and I think that any film that we're going to we talk about on this show there's always going to be that nostalgia factor that is going to be there. And I think that's, that's what that's special. And I think that's what makes film so cool. Yeah. Hell yeah. Absolutely. Sorry for asking you a question on your guys's podcast, but <laughs> no, please do. It's a conversation. <laughs> We're here for it. <laughs> yeah. I still like this movie. Like I understand that. I know I love wreck and I do think wreck is like a better movie, but I still really love quarantine. I think a lot of it has to do with what, how much I did as a kid. But I, I mean, mm-hmm. like, and I know that it is essentially, like, it really is, like, wreck almost shot for shot with a different ending and, like, mm-hmm. American actors and maybe not, like, a full understanding. This is the problem with American remakes a lot of the time is, like, not a full understanding of what makes something scary, just, like, a very base level understanding. Yeah. Without, like, understanding how to translate how that, like, how, what that fear looks like. And I think that happens yes. in a lot of, like, Japanese remakes of, like, okay, this is scary, but you don't get, like, the full-on, like, deeper cultural understanding of why that is scary in yeah. Japan. And it doesn't translate over here, and they don't, like, try to translate that over here, which is why The Ring was yeah. so good. Anyway, I digress. I think because of that ending change and because of, like, it being a remake and then wanting to, I think, primarily get money from it, it does not have the exact same exact same dna but it still i think is very scary i think it got to me a lot when i was younger and i think they did capture a lot of the horror pretty well yeah in my opinion (laughs) so things that i do think this movie does as well if not better than wreck (laughs) is i love the opening i love the opening of this with angela kind of doing the takes that is that that moment when she gets interrupted, that is yeah. a complete shot for shot. Like some of it's a shot for shot remake of of Rick, but when she is going through and they go in the locker room, for instance, and there's like the sort of it's a little uh, like it is definitely sexist and definitely like there's that kind of feel to it. But it still makes yeah. me kind of laugh when they go in. They like rush into the locker room and the guys in the shower, and he keeps trying to like you know show his genitals. Largest and everything. hose. It's, it's largest it's, hose in the firehouse. <laughs> right. It's just it's. <laughs> It's funny, and it kind of speaks to this camaraderie that these people have. And I, I feel like these are I, – I do feel this opening does establish these as real people that have lives and have friendships and have this sort of weight going into what we're experiencing. I think that is really good. I love that. I love uh, the, the tension in it. I do like that it is a lower decibel than Wreck because yeah. my big complaint about Wreck is that everyone is shouting all the time Mm -hmm. and understandable you're into this the situation you don't know what's happening it is definitely conveying that kind of chaos whereas here it's a little bit more measured i do think the build-up in wreck is a little bit better than here i do think that this one kind of maintains the same kind of status quo through most of the movie it's intense but it still is keeping that but my biggest complaint and it's not that like, listen, I love Doug Jones. I think he is great doing kind of creature stuff. I just don't think he can compare to Javier Botet, who did the original oh, in Wreck. Oh, Javier Botet. Because he is such a long, spindly, very thin person that can get his body into different directions. He's just, he's really good at doing kind of the, the kind of weird, don't look human kind of creature effects. Okay. And I do think that his um, woman at the end of, of that movie is much better than 
than in quarantine. Would would I know Javier Botet Bartet from anything else? Let me see. Um, he was in Mama. Um, yeah. oh. he was in Crimson Peak. He was oh. the, the ghost yeah. in Crimson Peak. Mm. Um, he was the crooked man in The Conjuring Two. He's basically okay. the Spanish Doug. Jo- He's the Spanish Doug. I was yeah. going to say, yeah, <laughs> yeah. He was okay. the hobo in It. Um, yes. He was the Slender Man in Slender Man. Uh, <laughs> the Tilda's corpse in Scary Stories. He's going to be the vampire oh, gosh, in the, the last voyage of Demeter. No nice. shit. Oh, I cannot right. wait. Sorry, yeah. I Amazing. cannot wait. Right. Oh. <laughs> okay, cool. So, so yeah, basically like the Spanish Doug Jones. He is. He's just he's very tall. He has Marfan syndrome, so he has mm. hyperlaxity yes. of certain body, body tissues. So he can like he has very long, very fine thinners. He's a tall, very thin build. He's six foot seven and weighs one hundred twenty three pounds. He just. He's very yeah. yeah. So Doug Jones is fantastic. It's just this this guy was like born for these roles, and it just it's it's. I think I find it more terrifying in Wreck than Quarantine. Otherwise, I do like the way that this this ending unfolds because it's very similar. Yeah. I gotta watch Wreck now. I need to watch Wreck like as you soon as possible in the theater. <laughs> you gotta. <laughs> um, uh. On that note, do we want to wrap up and give this our rating out of five? Yeah, that sounds good to me. I'm looking to make sure that there's nothing else I wanted to really highlight. Uh, yeah, I'm, I'm good, I think. Cool. All right. Well, Terry, how many <laughs> uh, rabid little children out of five do you give quarantine? This one is it's just so hard because I, I don't I don't like I hated this movie after I left the theater when I was when I was when when did this come out? 2008. Yeah. So I would have been. I would have been 27. 27? Yeah. So I hated I hated this movie, leaving the movie theater, because I had just seen Wreck. That movie scared the absolute shit out of me. And it just felt like I was seeing similar beats, which makes sense, but it just wasn't playing very well. I have a little bit more of an appreciation for it uh, with this watch in terms of the things that I think it does right and the things that maybe it does better than, than Wreck. But there are a lot of horror moments that I just I do find wreck hits a little harder. And I, I, I think that might just be because of whichever one you see first. Right. Because there, there are yeah. very similar moments. And so there's there's that kind of feel to it where I do think when I saw Rick, like like you were talking about with with quarantine, there were things in here that I don't think I'd ever seen in cinema before. It was using yeah. familiar tactics, but doing them in ways that I had never seen um, in film up until that point. And so it just constantly was like throwing curveballs at me. And so I can get the feeling, particularly if you had never, if you had had no not knowledge of wreck and you'd sat down to see quarantine, you're getting similar movie and you're getting similar. What the fuckery. And so I can understand uh, a little bit more now than I could have when I was a very angry 27 year old leaving the movie theater. <laughs> so I, I don't know. I, I, I think that there's things that this does well. I just, it's, I'm going to say three. I'm going to just say three because I, I I don't think it's a I don't think it's a bad movie. It just isn't. It's not. It's not wreck for me. But that's just me. But what about you, Mary Beth? I'm going to give it four. Rabid little children. Again, I think like you said, Terry. I saw this first. I really liked it. I think it's so similar to Wreck that it's like when I watched Wreck, I said, "Oh, people are being kind of unfair to quarantine." They're very. I thought they were very similar. And I obviously know that I can see the differences now and everything, but Wreck is a five-star movie. Quarantine's a four-star movie. I mean, like, I feel like we just lose a star in terms of some of the translate, like, translating it stuff. But I still, it still scared the shit out of me. I think there are some really good scares in it. I love Jennifer Carpenter in this movie. I think it 
it does a good job taking something and putting it into an American context and still getting a lot of the scares and making it terrifying and basically understanding what's so terrifying about it. So it's a four for me. Um, so Stephen, oh, Sean, I'm sorry. Oh. One, what you just told me reminded me of one thing that I wanted to bring up. One of the things that I, I think this movie kind of fails to do uh, in terms of the original is so that I, I was, I was appreciative of this as a very diverse cast, particularly mm-hmm. as of the inhabitants of the, of the apartment. But one thing that the rec does incredibly well that I, I feel like is a missed opportunity with this one, particularly as we're talking about post nine 11 fears is the xenophobia. Cause there's a lot of xenophobia. Oh, in yeah, rec. there is. And so there was like a lot of conversations where people were like, oh, it's the it's those people and the, the weird shit that they're making in their in their apartment. Like there's a lot of in, inner fear that I think Rec did really well that I'm surprised this movie didn't tap into because of, as yeah. you said, Mary Beth, it is a post 9-11 movie. Yeah. Dealing they, like, with skim over the xenophobia it, that of. was happening. Yeah. It doesn't really dig yeah. into it a whole lot, even though it has a very diverse cast, which I was appreciative of. Sorry. The that is just, part- that was the I one thing that poked in my head. I do appreciate that they didn't try to make it though. I feel like so many horror, like this is just me like, have I thought too much about post 9-11 horror and how so much post 9-11 horror is about xenophobia and being like, who is the scary person? There, It is a little bit of a relief to see them like maybe opt to skip over that trope a little bit. Yeah. But maybe that's just, I don't know. Maybe that's just me being like, oh, for once we don't have racist people in the apartment building pointing their fingers at the Brown <laughs> family as like being the bad guys. Yeah. Like, thankfully we don't have that this time. Yeah. But anyway... Throwing to Stephen Stephen Sean, how many rabid little children of five do you give quarantine? Sean, you want to go first? Yeah, I'll go first. Um, I think I'm going to give it all things considered. We're considering the fact that it's a remake and it had you know the the power of wreck to stand on to even exist in the first place. To the social issues that we've discussed, um, to some of the more positive things like 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 Steve said, we uh, we rewatched it recently uh, in the daylight with roommates and they were reacting very yeah. strongly to what was happening. Um, I think overall I'm going to do, I, I would have given it like a four, 4.5, but I'm bumping it down for the bad thing. So I'm going to say 3.5 is 3.5 okay. rabid little children. Is what, so imagine three rabid children and one of them and like a half it's of just one dragging, dragging, yeah, along just dragging along. Yeah. So <laughs> that's yeah. my rating. <laughs> Hell yeah. Cool. Yeah. That's right. great. What about you, Steve? Um, so I this is really funny because I'm the one who brought this film that scared me when I was younger. But I uh, unfortunately wasn't rating films when I was younger. I think if I would have rated this when I was younger, I would have given it a very high score. Um, now with all of the horror films that I've watched and specifically the found, found footage that I love, I enjoy it for what it is. Um, but I do think I would give it three uh, sweet little Joey Kings or three uh rabid little children out of five um i think it's like i i try to go by 10 in my head it's like a six out of ten three out of five it's better than average but there's a lot that i think in 2023 you can get from like a similar level horror film um so that's kind of how i judge it as like there's a lot a lot better movies with the same budget and like similar directors Mm -hmm. and and acting uh, or casts um i could get somewhere else than what quarantine can give me so while i still think i would love to see it in a theater again with all the lights off i don't know if we mentioned this but like during quarantine in michigan uh sean and myself and our roommate we bought a 
projector screen and a projector, like a 16 foot screen. And we would just watch films in our living room every night. We picked one, oh, one shit. film every oh, single yeah. night that mm-hmm. we wanted to watch. Yeah. Either, you know, our first time watching something, we would switch it up like Miyazaki one night and this movie another night. Um, and so we watched quarantine one night and I will say quarantine still affected me in the dark. So, you know, I, I think it's still above average in terms of horror films. Uh, but I have to give it three, uh, rabid little children out of five. Gotcha. Love it. All right. Well, thank you both so much for joining us for part one of our sort of like two-parter episode. Uh, yeah. Where can our listeners find you? Um, and uh, the floor is yours. Do you want me to go, Sean? I know. I know. Yeah, that's all you. <laughs> yeah, you're the guy. <laughs> So, again, we are mostly horror. We are a part of the Morbid Podcast Network. So if you want to find us, we are on all of our all of the streaming services, or you can listen to our episodes early and ad-free on Wondery Plus and Amazon Music. Uh, we are on Twitter and TikTok at Mostly Horror and also Instagram at Mostly Horror Pod. Um, talk to us on there. Tell us about things that you liked in our episodes. Tell us how much quarantine sucks. Um, and then if you want to follow me, if you want to follow me, I'm on all the socials at Stephen is Average. And Shauna's on all of the things at Hypocrite Inc. or Hypocrite.inc. And that's our that's where we are. Woo, yeah. What he said. <laughs> so the next episode, we're going to make you do that, Sean. And you're going to be the Oh, yeah, Sean. Sure. That's fine. That's, I was already thinking about it. I was like, I'll do it on mine. I never do it on our actual show, but I'll do it on my episode for you guys. So, listeners, you've heard from us, but we want to hear from you. What do you think of quarantine and how much do you love it? You can send us an email at scarredforlifepodcast at gmail.com, or you can reach out to us directly on Twitter. I am at MB McAndrews. And I'm at Gailey Dreadful. And, of course, don't forget to follow the podcast on Twitter at Scarred Podcast. And please don't forget to review, rate, and subscribe. And if you want to help support us we are on patreon thank you to eric power for our artwork thank you to sean keller for our music thank you everyone for listening please stay safe out there but most importantly stay creepy and until next time powers the world's best podcasts. Here's a show that we recommend. What is The Briefing Room? It's a behind-the-scenes look at how the criminal justice system works and the lives of the people within that system. If you love true crime, well, these are the real people who do the job every day of making sure justice is served. Hi, I'm Detective Dave. I'm Detective Dan. Together, we have decades of experience in local law enforcement, a profession that we think is often misunderstood. So we're going to explore how to do it right, and we won't shy away from when it's done wrong. These are stories you'll hear nowhere else. Unique, frank, and unvarnished. From the team that brought you Small Town Dicks, this is The Briefing Room. Episode 1 drops on August 30th. We'll meet you in The Briefing Room. ACAST helps creators launch, grow, and monetize their podcasts everywhere. ACAST.com. <laughs>